Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 23 of the Kegs and Batter Every Day podcast. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Nicole Quigley of Death Starts Monday fame. Uh, and we're going to have some interesting conversations about stuff that we have had conversations about in the past. And I think the listeners will really, really enjoy it. So, yeah, to start off, Nicole, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Like, give the listeners a wee bit of context about like who you are and your journey over the last number of years. Um, hi, I'm Sunny. Yes, so as Connor said, my name's Nicole. Um, I'm I'm usually the one doing this podcast introduction, so for me to do it for myself is a bit weird. Um, but yeah, so many like I said, I just yeah started a blog in 2017 called Diet Starts Monday, and it was like documenting my weight loss and my journey with my own body and it sort of started off as that and morphed into like a whole lot of lifestyle stuff um and then I just qualified as a coach in May so I'm kind of making the transition from sort of blogger thing to <laughs> to actual coach um and yeah quit my full-time job my back with mom to do it and everything so I'm just like making that journey now and I'm starting to build my business and basically helping because I fell for every fitness and weight loss myth going diet pills with skinny teas everything um and it was all down to lack of education and desperation to have the body I wanted and it was all a lot of external validation and essentially my coaching program is designed to help women do that without having to make all the mistakes that I did which is basically hopefully a shorter route for them than I had to, had to take yeah the, the nature of a coach it, all, it always seems to be the same story with any coach that i talk to that we're trying to save people time from all of the stupid shit that we done over the years mm-hmm. uh, because yeah i think all of us have done i actually got reminded of i think in university first year university tom hardy was in that film the warrior and i remember mm-hmm. finding like the warrior workout plan on oh, men's God, health yeah. and there there i was in fucking queen's pc trying to do neck bridges or some stupid thing like that thinking <laughs> that this was going to make me look like tom hardy like yeah so that's, yeah. It's like the <laughs> that's, same thing when the, when the 300 sparta workout came out as well like that yeah like, everyone jared like <laughs> look yeah everyone wanted to look like greased up jared butler uh, and was doing yeah. mad stuff i actually i remember that one as well that one came, came up because that was a really popular one uh yeah, yeah well like with, with within within that now I'm, I'm i'm intrigued when you started the blog 2016 so six years six years are on now yeah right 27 27 so what like what instigated you starting that like what do you remember there being a thought or being a catalyst mm-hmm. for you deciding to do that yeah um that's interesting like, like when i think about why i started diet start monday it's for completely different reasons than what why it exists now so essentially i wanted to be a fashion editor um or features editor for vogue l or harper's bazaar and at the time like having an online presence and now you can kind of do something from anywhere if you want to be on tv you start making tiktoks you start making youtube you get yourself out that audience you build it yourself and that becomes your resume whereas back in 2017 that was kind of only starting to become a thing so essentially because i couldn't get the experience or work online because obviously since the pandemic that's more that's more of a thing now but I couldn't get the same experience online that I wanted to um so I basically started blogging and creating YouTube videos and Instagram content so that I would be able to go into Vogue or Elle and show them that I had experience creating content and creating writing articles about things that interested readers um and then it started called being it started um office diet starts Monday because I wanted to kind of get myself 
back to where I was. I'd really lost my way. I'd come out of a really bad relationship. My confidence was on the floor. Um, I hated myself and everything about my body and everything about my personality as well. So it was basically documenting, rebuilding that confidence. And I started off mostly on YouTube. Um, and everything from how I was feeling about things, how I was feeling about myself, workouts, food, diet, everything was documented with the intention of as I find my way back to myself, then the fashion confidence would come essentially because I kind of lost my way with that too. And then it just kind of snowballed into a whole lot of other stuff. And I just kind of ran with that. And then all of a sudden I started working with a personal trainer, realized I absolutely loved coaching people, decided to get the qualification myself, did that at ECA Belfast and decided at the start of the year that I would be a coach by the end of the year. And I kind of didn't believe that I would actually do it. But the universe aligned in the fact that I was the decisions were made for me. I asked for it and that was it. It was like something a higher power somewhere swept the deck clear. It was like any obstacle, and I mean any obstacle, was removed from my pathway. It was really, really bizarre. See, it's a it's an interesting story. You said you you started it with the original the original idea of uh, becoming a fashion editor, uh, and, mm-hmm. and that being the the instigator for you starting. However, being where you are now, and I think there, there's always I hear this version of a story over and over and over again with a lot of guests, and that their goal initially is one thing and they start in the pro into the process and whatever their efforts are and whatever things they learn whatever like things they do they find they actually love some of that stuff more than they love what they f- like what their ideal of the end goal uh, mm-hmm. i started blogging in 2016 i think uh, and started a blog called Adian 15 mm-hmm. uh, way back when and was sort of blogging just all written articles and stuff and was doing that pretty consistently and I thought this was going to be it like I was just going to be a blogger uh, and that's I hadn't I hadn't I uh, wasn't as good as you I wasn't a, a greater tactic in, in pursuit of something else I thought I was going to get paid for for writing vlogs I was like first second maybe third year university uh, and was like this yeah this is it like I'm going to be getting paid for this uh, and the funny thing is the stuff that I was consuming because I started consuming a lot of personal development content between Tony Robbins, Dale Carnegie, uh, Napoleon Hill, different books like that, all about sort of developing myself and then decided I really need to push develop myself physically. And it was mm-hmm. in the pursuit of those things that I actually found a thing that I really, really enjoyed. And I think I've heard that yeah. so many times. Uh, I don't, I don't know if, if there was, was there a point where you were like, no, that like, was there a point where you could point to where you sort of went, no, oh, did you know what? The fashion editor thing isn't inspiring me anymore. And could you point yeah. to that? Um, I think I always was a writer. I always wrote short stories from the beginning and I always wrote like diary entries or articles and it was always, nearly always about life or mental and emotional health. And then I realized that that was kind of more the stuff I wanted to go down and helping people. And then when I started documenting my own journey, I started to get a lot of messages on Instagram um from people who needed help or women who were struggling and then I would find myself sort of like half coaching them through my dms and different things like that and chatting them and basically just be like no like you're 100% amazing like whatever size you're at like love yourself at every stage of the journey um and I realized they cared way more about that than what shoes go with what bag or anything else like that or any sort of beauty like there was no aspect of that that filled me up as much um and of course I did fall into that trap and I think a lot of people do that when they start kind of creating social media content where I started to give so many shits about followers and likes and engagement 
and all that sort of stuff. And there was a time, probably around 2018, 19, where my content got really empty because I hadn't a clue what I wanted to say. I hadn't a clue what direction I was going in. And then whenever I started working with a personal trainer, Ryan McConnell, then it seemed to sort of, I'd say around lockdown again, 2020, I kind of found my feet again and realized that kind of what I wanted to do and started thinking about it in the back of my head for a while. And then it gradually, like when I moved back home, I think lockdown gave everybody a time to reevaluate what their life was about. And Absolutely. I was always one of I was always one of those people who never did the things that they said they were going to do. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it would just never happen because I would never put the work in. And it was over COVID that I really got a sense of how short life is. My first lesson with that was whenever I had a family member die very suddenly in January 2020. Like, I mean, literally like went out and moved the car. By the time he came back in, he just hit the deck like and that was him. And that was a big lesson. And then it seemed to be I got taught several of those lessons in a similar format over the course of a short, very short space of time. And that um, has been a big shock and has been a big lesson because it does make you realize that if I actually got news tomorrow and I hadn't emptied the tank, like there's so many things, so many stones I'd left unturned, so many unticked boxes on the to-do list that I hadn't even got near. So it made me kind of reevaluate where I was at and what actually was important to me. And then when I got that time over lockdown, I moved back home, which was amazing because my mom was in remission from cancer. So I actually got to spend that time with her that I hadn't got to spend during her treatment. Got to spend time with my parents, had lived out of the house for the, like since I was 18, had moved away abroad and everything. And I hadn't got that time with them. And it made me really reevaluate and have a process of evaluation since what was so important to me and what makes me happy. And it made me realize that it doesn't, none of, none of the shit matters. Like whether you're single or whether you think you should be in a relationship or married or have kids or have a certain job or comparing yourself to other people or what people say about you or write about you on certain websites or anything like that. None of it is important at all. The only thing that matters is that you're doing what makes you happy because you are the only person you spend every waking and sleeping minute with and you have to put yourself first. And then that was whenever I realized that I hadn't been doing that and I started to learn to do that. And then I was like, yeah, I want to help other people do this because I did a lot of therapy as well. And I've kind of always been my friend's therapist too. They always have that friend that people seem to come to with shit. And then I was just like, yeah, why am I sitting at a desk creating marketing plans for a company I do not care about whenever I could actually be doing something that to me and to someone else improves their lives, improves both of our lives, makes them feel better so that when they look up, wake up in the morning that their day is a little bit better and they feel better about life and about themselves because life is too short. And if I can help someone realize that they need to squeeze the juice out of their life while they have the chance, that is what really lights me up, to be honest. It was a really long-winded answer to quite a No, I, I liked I liked every I had to make copious notes on it because there's about four different rabbit holes we could go down based off what you said. But it, the main thing that jumped out at me was that sense of loss and how that created an urgency for you to make a change. And mm-hmm. some something I experienced myself, like uh, for for those listeners that, that don't know, probably most of like I was in a very similar position. I always it's a strangely uh it's a strange thing, like losing people uh, and sort of realizing mortality tends to instigate you into making some form of a change. Uh, I lost my younger brother when I was in university and funnily 
that's not a strange follow-up to that uh the <laughs> the thing that instigated me that was probably the main thing that instigated me abandoning engineering uh so most of the people that were listening will know i don't aerospace engineering university kind of this exact same position and what you just described about sitting creating a marketing plan I have a really visceral memory of sitting in the canteen uh, and there was had like this factory that I worked in making seats for airplanes and there was a quiet canteen and I remember like one of my like supervisors just saying, oh yeah, you got a bit of work you want to go and you can sit in the canteen and do it. It was like at three o'clock in the afternoon and you could see the main road and it was a really nice day. Like this place is like on the coast and down. I was just looking out the window going, why the fuck am I here? Like what, why am I spending my days? And I was just looking at everybody outside. I was so jealous of the people like going for a walk outside, driving past in their cars, just trying to imagine what they had in their life that allowed them to be out and about at two o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was like, a, I remember it being such a visceral thing and that itself, it, it wasn't until getting to kick up the the arse with it like and realizing the mortality and having like a, a very sort of like poignant reminder of that and like a stressful event before it actually even after that really sort of like fuck this here what am i doing making this still went back to work the next day still done the same things for the next year until the point where i was sort of forced to make a change and sort of like mm-hmm. confront the fact that yeah listen like you're here for a good time not for a long time like you want to leave a mark, you want to do something that you find is valuable, do something that you believe. Yeah, the cliche, your calling, which is kind of an inverted commas. Like it's that thing of what would you, what do you want to do? Like what mark do you want to leave on, on the world? Mm-hmm. I'm so, first off, I'm so, so sorry to hear about your brother. That's a terrible loss. I'm so sorry you went through that. Um, <laughs> But as you said, it does, it does light a fire underneath you and it does make it very it does make you very aware that as you say it's essential that you just do whatever it is that lights you up and and if you're ever in a in a job or in a situation where your brain's going why am i here then it's a massive glaring klaxon that you need to start making a change and pave your way to get out 100% yeah and i think like the other side of of that is when you get that when you get that hope like it's a strange thing because most often the times where you hear people making those significant changes it normally comes as a result of something really really fucking shit happening be that Mm -hmm. an illness a passing of a loved one or just something like or maybe even getting laid off from work so like there's degrees but it normally comes from something some shit moment that catalyzes change yeah uh, mm-hmm. and it's hard to bring yourself to that point where you're ready to change yeah. until until you hit that point of i suppose it's not rock bottom in that way but it, it's kind of that thing of you need to hit totally. that point where you're like like i have to change something you have to reach that sort of critical point where mm-hmm. you have to be like i actually need to make a change here when you're getting close to that the, the one thing that i'm really interested in people uh and, and myself and when i'm talking to others about this is what are the barriers what things stop people doing and the biggest one that we have talked about in the past is self-doubt and i think that's that's something that we have talked about before but how what has your experience been in terms of making that decision self-doubt and how how would you describe that process yourself 
Well, how did I like overcome self doubt? How like did you encounter it? Uh, in what ways? And how? What were your strategies for for overcoming it? Um. Yeah, self doubt is something that absolutely saddled me for a while, to be honest. Um, and I probably would have done coaching an awful lot sooner had it not been such a noose around my neck. Um, but I remember, like, this is how much self doubt was holding me back. I'm I joined Michael Landon's mastermind um in June and we had our first meetup since I joined in July and we were sitting around the table and everybody else had these actual business problems like how to manage all their leads how to have a work-life balance and see their families what systems they needed to bring in how they can you know balance uh, double their revenue or bring more money in or actual real life things that needed to be done like managing their resources my problem was that I was scared that was literally my problem I was like I'm scared and they were like what are you scared of and I was just like, but like, what if I do this wrong? Or what if I did that wrong? Or what if I release my product and nobody buys it? Or what if this, what if that? And I think when it comes to self-doubt as well, is that like I doubted myself for a long time and self-doubt was the reason that I was spinning my wheels for a long time. And then eventually I think I just sat down at the start of this year and was like, what I want, I set some goals. And I just decided they were happening. And honestly, the decisions were made for me. And I think if you're kind of getting steered in a certain direction by life, actually look at that. Like I was fired. And then the apartment that I want that I was in, long story short, I wanted to stay in it and I couldn't. So I had I like lost my job and had to move home. And that happened in the space of 24 hours. And I was just like, right, that's my sign. Like there's obviously... Uh, there's something there's obviously something bigger than me going on here um and I think whenever that voice in your head uh what you have to realize is whenever the, that voice in your head that internal monologue of that doubt it is your brain's job to keep you safe it is your brain brain's job to keep you alive that's what we're programmed to do as like a primal thing your brain associates any sort of discomfort with death any sort of rejection equals ostracization from the pack equals death so your brain is constantly giving you this internal monologue to be like don't choose this this is safety and it's trying to keep you alive and essentially if your inner monologue is going but this could happen ignore it to literally if you have to say out loud tell that voice to shut up be like I'm doing it anyway and I think whenever you realize that everything you want is on the other side of fear and if you're scared it's like a massive alarm bell that you should probably be doing exactly what you're scared of within reason (laughs) absolutely bang on could not have put that better myself like that that fear and you sort of you hit the point really well that like our like fear mechanism uh the anxiety like the sort of when people talk about how much anxiety is prevalent at the moment like a large part of that is because as as sort of biological creatures we're not designed to live in the world we live in we've evolved over millions of years to get to this point now but our main problems up until so many thousand years ago were literally just surviving, getting enough food, like that's it, getting enough food, reproduce. It sounds like a simple and enjoyable life to be fair, mm-hmm. <laughs> but getting enough food, reproduce, anything that is a risk is a potential, uh, is, is something that is potential for ostracization or for death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like yeah, Fox uh, in episode six talked about this even for like fellas who are part of a football team uh, and having that intense fear of making a mistake or failing uh, in mm-hmm. one time or another because you don't want to be rejected by the tribe because those people, those oh, right. people, that's your tribe and you fear rejection so much that it, it limits you uh, from doing the thing that you actually want to do, the thing that you've, you've trained to do. Uh, mm-hmm. And 
you hit you hit on that. It's it's a very hard thing to just ignore. But if you're going to, as you say, come out the other side, and if you're going to face the challenge, there's going to be a certain amount of discomfort, uh, and you have okay. to like anything worth having will come at the expense of a certain amount of discomfort. And normally the discomfort is proportional with the rewards you're going to receive at the end of it. hundred percent. And I think where a lot, where I fell down and where a lot of people fall down now, especially in today's society where there's, as you say, anxiety is very prevalent because we're also disconnected from each other. We're in one way more connected than ever, but we're also like our social interactions are shot to shit. People have the intent, the attention spans of goldfishes on crack. Do you know what I mean? Hardly anyone can hold a conversation anymore. Like if you ask your friend where they met their girlfriend, like chances are it's on a date map or different things like that. Like those face face to face interaction conversations don't happen as often as they used to. So we are in a way more disconnected. So that does leave us feeling isolated in a different way. If anybody has any like any sort of more information on that, read Lost Connections. It's one of the best books ever made or ever written. It's class. It's a very good book. I have I've read as well. I would also vouch for for that book. Very very enjoyable uh, and informative okay. read. Uh, but I think I, the main thing is is that like if you feel anxious about something, don't let that hold you back. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I have I feel anxious about that. That makes me feel anxious, or I'm I'm that, I know I'm anxious about that, or that gives me anxiety. That's okay to have anxiety. That it's okay to be anxious. That's normal. The problems start to arise whenever that level of anxiety holds you back or you allow it to win like push through it and I know that's not always easy but like get support from your friends or family go to a therapist do whatever you need to do to like mitigate that and push yourself through it because it is totally worth it on the other side I I think anyone that has sort of broke through that initial discomfort initial barrier always comes back to say like it's so worth it like you have to do it and it's a hard sell it's a hard sell to say to it someone is a hard sell. like yeah. the yes all that stuff that you're feeling anxious about like you just need to need to face it you need to sort of confront the dragon of chaos mm-hmm. but i love that <laughs> in in terms of like practical stuff i literally the i had recorded episode 22 of the podcast uh, about literally three hours ago uh, and I went into this in a wee bit more detail but the things that I found most practical in terms of taking uh, something that I'm anxious about and trying to break it down so that I feel like I can approach it because most of the mm-hmm. time with anxiety it's this background noise in your head where you're having all of these yeah. thoughts you're not really like that aware of them you just know that there's this thought there's this thought there's this thought mm-hmm. when you have the third thought you can't really remember what the first one was but there's just a chain reaction of like the normal of negative thinking the best thing that I've found personally for this is doing some form of journaling practice and yeah. ideally like stream of consciousness journaling where you set the timer for to five minutes and you literally just try word vomit all over the page, get everything out in your brain because what it allows you to do is take a look at everything and see, okay, well, this, this is kind of what I'm thinking. And a lot of the time when you look at it, you're like, well, no, that's kind of ridiculous. I don't really like, I know that's not really the case or I know that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can look at it and be like, right, okay, well, if I was to do it, what would be the easiest way to do it? If I was going to take a small action on it, what would be the smallest action that I could take? I'm trying to break down this big sort of entangled mess of anxiety that's in your head into something that's relatively coherent. And you can walk yeah. away with one step because it's very easy to say, like, really not happy with where I'm at. And like, I just wish I was in something else. And it's like, right, well, yeah that that's a big problem let's break it down and let's look at a smaller problem like what can we do today or what things am i interested in what things are really like do i have enthusiasm for 
Uh, mm. And I said this on the last podcast and butchered it as well, but the root of the word enthusiasm, don't even know if it's Latin or Greek, but I heard it on another podcast and enthusiasm is the derived from inspired by or is basically like inspired by and the other half of the word is by God. So be, be enthusiastic about something means to be like inspired by God. So there's like a divinity or a, you are something is driving or calling you towards that thing that you're interested in. And the thing that you're interested in is really unique to you. There might be like, you might be really interested in model cures and mm-hmm. think like, well, that's, that's daft. And it's like, well, no, that's what you're interested in. You can't really choose what you're interested in. It's like, yeah. that's something that's calling to you. So pursue it. The things that are interesting to myself and yourself tend to be personal development, training, nutrition, habit creation, psychology and mindset around behaviors and routines. Those things yes. are, are fascinating to both of us. And I know, yeah. and I know they're fascinating to you, but that may not be the case for someone that's listening. And if there are things that are interesting to you, like just scratch that itch, listen to someone who's interested in talking about it and go mm-hmm. on find the next podcast, find the next book. And the more you pull on that thread, the more you'll find different things and different avenues that you'll be able to take the next step on. Yeah, 100%. That, I, I did not know that about the word enthusiasm. That floored me. It was only like three weeks ago I heard it. I was, again, I was listening and I re- rewinded it about three times. And I can't even remember uh, which episode, which podcast it was. I don't even know what it was. But I remember listening being like, whoa, like that's like there is something to that, that things you're interested in like you're you're just interested in them like yeah like i'm sure there there's many uh many people that wish they could like i always use that analogy of people saying like i wish i was interested in cooking because then i could do this or i could do that and then i can have the amazing like like if you're not you're not so it's about it's a it's a game of convenience it's a game of trying to find a way to do it that suits in around your schedule but mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're interested in now and then the other side of self-doubt uh for me, uh, and you can touch on a little bit, is maybe feeling a little bit uh, like out of your depth or feeling like, who am I mm-hmm. to, to do this here? Or like, I'm just afraid. And the thing I would say is like confidence. So like sort of the, the, the opposite of self-doubt would be being confident uh, in your in your sort of sphere, in your industry. And for me, confidence comes from competence. Like uh, telling someone to be confident is mm-hmm. to me quite like useful not not great advice because it's not very practical whereas telling someone's like right well what is what is the thing that you're doubting really like i really i'm not sure like how i would approach someone with nutrition i'm not sure how i would approach coaching someone P- with pcos and it's like okay let's develop some competency in that let's learn yeah. about that thing so that when that problem comes up i feel confident enough that i'll actually feel confident delivering that information whatever it is so self-doubt can actually be a really useful tool in highlighting the areas where you're like okay well here's a part where i feel i'm not measuring up and it's like right well there's an element of i need to be comfortable and measure up like and be comfortable with where i'm at but i also need to acknowledge that okay well maybe there is a gap in my knowledge here that i can spend some time addressing 100 percent. that that is totally like your insecurities are just an indication of your knowledge gaps and it's like people are so I was actually reading James Smith's book on confidence at the minute and I went to his talk on Saturday night so there's a few wee nuggets that he <laughs> that I want to talk about but um like basically like whenever you try anything so say for instance like whenever I started blogging I had some insecurities that came with that and um then I just basically had to learn to move past them or mitigate them then whenever my channel started growing or I moved to another platform like moved from YouTube to Instagram and then on the TikTok 
there's another set of insecurities and you just learn to live with them and you learn to roll with those and then whenever I was like right now I want to be a coach okay that's a new level that's another set of insecurities and there's always going to be gaps in your knowledge especially when you're growing in progression and if you're not growing in progression progressing then you're just sort of stagnating and existing rather than living so at every stage of your life will require a different version of you and it's like whenever someone has becomes a parent for the first time or they move to another country like what you've done or they start a new business or they start a new job or they change careers or they decide to take up a new hobby or a new sport that will always bring with it a fresh set of insecurities and they always seem so massive at the time whenever at the beginning and then all you have to do with that is to build the confidence build the confidence and to build the confidence you just have to put the reps in you just have to keep doing the process to the point where you're bored shitless with it and it becomes second nature it's like learning to drive when you actually start first your driving lesson probably could don't move the car more than an inch and a half and then whenever you pass your test I don't know about you but my first driving test was a disaster like I ran a red light I turned left which still didn't turn right failed my emergency stop like no almost knocked someone down <laughs> and then two days later did it again plain shape like it was fine but all those insecurities are there and it's just about like finding ways to deal with them and talking yourself through it and backing yourself confidence is about backing yourself even when you're shitting yourself and that's just the main thing and if you just think about it like say for example like walking into a gym for the first time James Smith broke it down into this during his talk and I find it well, number one it was really funny number two it was like totally right he was like in our our ancestors you know they had things to actually be scared of you know other tribes saber-toothed tigers you know pterodactyls birds of prey whether or not they're going to be able to eat whether they'll be able to find water like they didn't have anything of sunblock and you know we're sitting going like I don't fucking walk into that pure gym <laughs> do you know what I mean um by far so like why not that's a very relevant fear and it's so prevalent for a lot of people it was one of my biggest fears at one point it's just something that you're like you know what and relatively we're relatively safe by today's standards in comparison there's a lot less threat to our existence so when you think about like what's the worst thing that could happen flip that mindset to go like oh my god if I say about this everyone's going to think I'm a dick or everyone's going to cancel me or all this here other stuff or people are going to talk about me or any of that sort of stuff just change it to I just want to see what I can get away with I like that I'll just see what I can get away with I just want to see if I can get away with starting that business (laughs) let me see if I can get away with quitting my job and moving the house and giving my mom heart failure let me see if I can get away with that and then it kind of becomes a game and life becomes a lot more fun when you take the pressure off yourself because I used to have this overwhelming like suffocating squishing fear of failure to the point where I was absolutely terrified to try and like I was so scared to even try things because I was like if I fail like then I'm a failure and also I realized then that I was also like I was always kind of one of those people who was quite fortunate enough to coast by on the bare minimum and I just kind of was able to kind of manage my life that way and then I realized that whenever I was scared sitting around that table in the mastermind what I was terrified of was what if I go all out give everything I've got to something and it falls on its ass because I've never done that before and I was just like Jesus and it was whenever I was interviewing for a job in January I threw everything I had at it and I mean everything I wanted that job so badly and I didn't get it like I walked out of the interview the CEO took my number was like I'll ring you on Monday personally myself you know really looking forward to working with you Monday came came to four o'clock 
didn't even get as much as the feedback. They just rang the recruiter and were like, no, different direction. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, absolutely floored. And it was one of those things where now I'm like, thank God I didn't get that job because it would have been horrible and I would have been stuck there. But it's just one of those things where if you are like panicking about all those different things, it is difficult, but just fire yourself through it like a train going into a wall why not what's the worst that happen you might like, get away with it it'll be fun you, you might get away with it i, I love that like I'll, I'll just i'll have a crack at this and see if anybody if anybody says anything i like one <laughs> one thing there's a for anyone that's listening if they've experienced anything sort of similar to that which a lot of people have and myself i know i have and i was like laughing at most of the stuff you'd say there because it was bang on to my own experiences uh, there's a really, really good book mentioned on the last podcast, uh, Mindset by Carl Dweck. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it delves deeper into the sort of differences in growth and fixed mindset. And really, like what we're talking about is that difference of when you're in a fixed mindset, you're scared shitless of failure. Every failure is an indication that you're just not enough, that your ability isn't there, mm-hmm. that as a person, you're just not going to measure up. You're, and then not only that, fixed mindset is also that your your potential or your ability is fixed and not able to change. So not only is it rejecting you now, it's rejecting you always because that's you now. You're not, you're not getting any better. Whereas having a growth mindset is challenges are an opportunity to learn. Failures are not failures. They're just opportunities for more learning. Uh, and there's always going to be ways you can develop your potential. So if there is a challenge, if there is something to come back and it feels like a failure, there's learning to be captured within that, that you can take yourself to the next stage. That It is maybe just the same as the, the insecurities. It's an indication of an area that you need to focus on uh, and that you need to develop. And one thing I've found a lot of the time when we talk and like, I, I know for a fact, because like we were, you were talking about like, like you're starting your business and you're, you're like getting your first client started uh, and like the, the client numbers like slowly picking up uh, and I can like, I know exactly where you are because I've been there and I, like, it's like, okay, well, like I'm at this number, but when I get to this number, like this is going to be like bang on, but then you get to that number and you move the goalpost again to, to move on to the next. So what, I've found over the last while is every time you set these little mini goals of development or when you go outside your comfort zone, the actual reward of whatever you're, you sort of say initially, whatever you set out to say, like, I'm going to get this or I'm going to do this or I want to be able to do this is rarely as rewarding in the long term as the challenges, as the learning that you had to do and as all of the, all of the micro, little micro challenges and accumulation of all the learning you had to do to develop, like, we're as humans in flow states when we're right operating right between sort of like order and chaos when we're operating right on the edge of our abilities and that sort of zone of proximal development that's when you feel like you're really like you're pushing yourself that you're developing and when you look back when you're sitting with like 50 clients and you're looking back to do you remember the day i got my first client and you when you're your first client you're going oh my god i wish i had 50 clients but when you're like, I'm being like, oh my God, it's going to, that'll just be so well, I'll have a problem in the world. And when you're 50 clients, you're looking back to the buzz that you got off your first client coming in. And you tend to think that, you know what, like it was the, it was the work that I was putting in and the learning I was doing that was the most enjoyable part. The numbers mm-hmm. of people coming in the business didn't actually give me the satisfaction to say it. You still set the numbers, like, and this is the funny thing yeah. that we talk about all the time. You'll still set that and you'll always use that. But when you reflect back, you'll always say like, do you know what? It was 
that uncomfortable thing that I was shy at, and now I'm actually really good at it, and I work yeah. my balls off to get there. Those are yeah. the things. So anyone that is struggling with self-doubt or struggling with where they're at the moment and wishing they were in somewhere else, like and setting a goal out, set that goal, work your balls off to get that, but realize that the effort and the pain and the sweat that you're going to put in in pursuit of it is literally going to be the best part. And I'm not in a bad way that like this is the most enjoyable part. It's a it'll only make sense when you're looking back at it. But mm-hmm. those little those little challenges that you overcome and all of those little wins accumulated are there the mate like that's the most sort of like rewarding part of life in my experience. Like a hundred percent. Whenever like, you're like, <laughs> they're like, oh my god, I've come that far. It's so good. And you'll you'll find that searching out for those, like as you said, like places where you're insecure, places where you self doubt, places where you're sort of afraid of, afraid of failure. Like that's a great indication of where you should be spending some time and where you should be like attention. Like that has been highlighted to you for a reason. Like that has been brought front of your mind for a reason. And as soon as like as soon as you define a problem, then it's very easy to present a solution. But when it's in your head, is this sort of mass of like, oh my god, it just like I'm not good enough. I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm just I'm just not. When you get that out on a page, and when you can define the problem of okay, well, where exactly am I, and where do I really want to go to? it's so much easier to take one little tiny step to move yourself mm-hmm. in the general direction. And the accumulation of all of those steps is just like, it's the best part. And anytime like, like the buzz that like, I'm like smiling, listening to you talking about your journey, about like quitting your job, about being an offer to like going in for a job before that you were like, I want this, like, and feeling like you didn't want anything as much. I mm-hmm. actually applied for a master's in performance psychology uh in university when i was in my final year and like as i was writing the blog on self-development and i was like i'm going to be a performance psychologist i'm fascinated by all things personal development like this is it like this is the fucking show i'm going to the show met the guy that was the head of the department like and chatted them and he was like we've and i was like oh, i'm going to an engineer he's like we've never had an engineer before and i was like oh shit sorry uh, he's like no we actually we want people from other courses had a conversation he's like yeah absolutely no i think you'll like as long as you get your your 2-1 or your 2-2 whatever it is like you're you're in and mm-hmm. i messaged like a couple emailed a couple of weeks later just checking in they're like oh this course has been discontinued i was like are you fucking kidding me oh no <laughs> and at the time i was looking i was like i looking could you go to edinburgh to do it it was like 15 grand instead of like three grand to do it in edinburgh and i was yeah. like I, i'm not doing it so i pivoted but at the time it was heart wrenching, but I know for a fact I would like I know get I know uh, friends who are in the field of performance psychology, uh, and whilst I find it insanely interesting, I know I'm a lot happier doing what I'm doing now. So those those little moments where you're like, this was supposed to be it, like this is supposed to be it, and you're so disheartened. There's normally like it's, it's that thing of you don't want to delegate too much responsibility to fate or the universe or whatever the word you give to it is, but as long as you're working your balls off and you're, as long as you're trying to make steps, the things that are genuinely meant for you won't pass you as long as you're taking the opportunities that you can. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, see, I was just smiling on everything you're saying there, but it's totally true. And you not getting that course being removed from your pathway. It's totally just like, it's not rejection, it's redirection. That's a nice and word. That, that goes forever. That's a Sinead Haggerty one. I can't take any credit for that, but like, <laughs> It's the same with everything. It's like relationships. If someone goes to you or doesn't text you back or, you know, breaks up with you, like your person's not going to do that. That's not the person for you. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like if, like, if, like, I think this is 
again it's like another thing it's like oh my god like it was going so well and then he like blocked me or then he like ghosted me or cheated or whatever and then it's one of those things like well my dogs I said they were <laughs> um and then it's um one of those things where well your person's not going to do that to you so exactly you've lost absolutely nothing other than a pain in the ass and that's yeah that's the other thing and you're like that's that's a whole different kettle of fish but even when you come into date and you find people adjust their behaviors to transfer what they think the person that they're after is going to want and they're like oh and i'm not going to just i'm not going to fully be myself here because it may uh, it may sort of throw them off a wee bit if i'm too sort of genuinely myself or may throw her off if i'm just like on my unapologetic self and like well it's, it's been my experience and that was probably certainly myself and that i would like in any encounters that i ever had like dating in the past i've always been very guarded and been like oh like what like what do i need to be what do i need to morph into to be the kind of person that this person wants and it was only really when i was like no i'm just gonna be my own fucking idiotic self and just be an idiot uh that i happened to find my idiot that was doing the same shit to me like so uh it's it is one of those things where when you're like the things that you're afraid of it's like i know that's that's such uh such a digression uh but i just i think that's worth talking about that's 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 a really good point yeah no and that's something i want to touch on now that you've brought that up is whenever we don't we don't realize i was and this is just me speaking from my own personal experience as an example but it's very well it was very prevalent when i was growing up there were certain things that like if you were into you just weren't accepted or you know you would nearly mold yourself into this version like a chameleon of depending on who I, this is my experience I would nearly mold myself into a version of myself that would please the person I was in the company of dependent on who I was with because I had absolutely no idea who I was and that kind of stemmed from I know where that comes from thanks to therapy it was because like my parents had this idea of like be a doctor, be a pharmacist, have this sort of personality, don't speak unless you're spoken to, don't be too loud, don't be, don't have too many opinions and all these different things. And it took me an awful long time to find out who I was. So as a result, I would go, as my dad puts it, to dry wells looking for water, like somewhere where I just knew I wasn't accepted. Like there was girls really, there was girls who were really mean to me in school. There was groups of people who had their entire Bible pages about how much they hated me stuff was written about me on toilet doors I remember like a girl took me by the throat in a pub because my dad used to teach her and he put her outside the door because she was cheeky <laughs> I was like this is ridiculous you know girl I mean? knows how to hold a grudge <laughs> <laughs> what me to do get him down here to apologize like um but you know what I mean so I was constantly was getting this rejection and it was because I was so desperate to be accepted that I just would become a version of myself that would ever fit the person and it echoed in my dating life for a really long time if I started to speak to a guy or date to get to a guy who was really into football suddenly I'd be really into football do you know what I mean and like don't get me wrong like I do go through phases like I like a wee super Sunday or a classical as much as the next person like that's fine but I like to dip in and out I'm not going to be in a bad mood if you know Real Madrid <laughs> score mostly because I'm a Barcelona girl but you know what I mean it's you know like so but all of a sudden I would be like, oh, right, okay, I have to watch the Premier League now, so I have something to talk about with him. Or, like, if he was really into crime novels, novels suddenly, I'd be really into crime novels and be like, oh, my God, this is fascinating. And while it is important to, like, get introduced to new things by people who come into your life and, like, explore your horizons and different bits and bobs like that, it's also really important to, like, have a spine and stand on your own two feet. And that will give you confidence as well if 
don't bend yourself and don't mold yourself into something that you think is going to be pleasing to someone else or to be accepted. Uh, like have, I think everyone has felt that probably most prevalent during school uh, where <laughs> you're yeah. like at, at, at 16, like at fucking 12 to 12 to 18, you're in school and like everyone there is just trying not to be the butt of the joke. Like everyone there is just trying to get on with their day and not and like yeah. what, what ends up happening is if people find like an easy target that they can direct some of the sort of the joke towards because it lifts the pressure off them, like that's yeah. what they do. And a lot like like it's all as well researched that like a large like bullying tends to stem from like people's own insecurities where they're trying to direct and control attention onto to somebody else. I know it's such a such a weird digression, but it's that thing where I I used to be like into random things and i was like i was just i couldn't i couldn't be saying that to people like i remember having different thoughts during school being like i I, like i'm just allowed to play like i play football like none of my mates do this or think this way and like some of them could have and for all i knew some of them could have been like genuinely interested in some of the same stuff and they were like i wasn't afford them the opportunity to it it's such a hard thing to ask someone at 16 years years of age like going through fucking puberty, like covered in acne, not being sure about themselves at all to be like, no, it's actually fine that you're in anime. It's actually fine that you just want to go fucking skateboard. You want to do this and you want to do this or do that. Like I remember being like really like playing football. And because of playing football, I was like, but I wanted to do drama for GCSE. And I was like, Mm. why did I, I don't know why I wanted to do it. I just was like, I'd be kind of cool to do that. Yes it physically wasn't possible in our school to do GCSE PE and GCSE drama because like literally had organized the schedule that the two of them were like, no, you can't do both of them. Can't I, was do all, them. I was like, that's, I was like, I remember thinking at the time I was like, well, obviously I'm doing PE, but at the time I was like, like that would have been now that I look back on it, I'm like the way fucking social media is now, the ability to be comfortable and deliver and to talk on camera, all of those things that would have been skills and core competencies that would have been absolutely right. fostered in that environment. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a clue why I wanted to do it. I just knew I did want to do it. Yeah. But it was like you weren't. But at the same time, I was also like, fuck, if I start doing drama, I ain't going to get tortured. Like I'm going to have know. to do a play in front of people. And like I also it's like I didn't really I didn't like I didn't have any sort of trouble with bullying uh, in school, but I, the reason for that was because I was so fucking good at adjusting my behavior to who mm-hmm. I was. And I'm like, I was like, as long as I'm decent at football and as long as I like talk nicely to these people and I was always interacting this way with these people and trying to adjust my behavior. And that's kind of the same thing that it took me to probably near the end of university when you get more sure of yourself. And especially it kind of like kicked on, but it like, like different events in my life. But I was just like, nah, fuck this here. Like, the people like I always remember and it kind of comes into like something else that we talk about but like the people that mind don't matter and the people that matter don't mind so when you're trying to make decisions like look at the people that you actually are closest to and that you really care and value their opinion Mm -hmm. and run that run your change or what you want to do through the filter of those people and like some of them might actually have their own sort of like barriers to it like that's not to say not to do it if somebody within that has objections but yeah. trying to not do something because Susan that you used to do fucking history with like seven years ago that still follows you on Instagram might see it and might think you're a wanker. It's like, nah, it's not a good enough reason for you to stop some, doing something that you wanted to do. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, do you not think that all stems from like quite a small town mentality? 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, like, and I and we we have discussed this before. Where we like we well, I I come from a, like a small like rural village. Uh, went to school in the town uh, outside it, and I, I just I remember saying like, all right, you you play football, like you go to work, you come home, you eventually make babies, and you raise them to do the same thing. And I just remember being like, I don't, I, what? I don't really want like go to the pub on a Friday if you have time. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> get airlock one or two nights a week and i was like i don't i don't really want to do that and like i never felt like i wanted to do that i yeah. like i did that for a long time because i was like this is what you do like this is what i'm supposed to it's just do yeah. what i'm supposed to do and i'm supposed to like go out in uni and get airlock three nights a week come home get airlock one night at the weekend and just mm-hmm. rinse and repeat and wonder why i'm like out of shape where I feel like shite all the time and why my head's pickled. It's like, cause you're fucking drinking all the time. You're eating shite. You're not looking after yourself. You're surrounding yourself with people. You don't actually really want to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only that, especially I think with a wee bit of like the small time mentality is you place a lot of value in what those people think of you. Even if they're <laughs> not people who, who's, what would you say? Even if they're not people that you're like, I actually want this person in my life. I proactively want them in. I really value their judgment. You might think yeah. they're an idiot, but you're still afraid of the idiot's rejection. Oh my God, absolutely. And I think as well with um, small time mentality, particularly in around where we're from, like in Northern Ireland, it is a serious, serious, not sure who does she think she is. Look at her there. She's driving a Land Rover. Well, fuck me. She's not putting that through the books. I wonder where she's getting the money for that. Dawn's never in the house. And you're just like, why do you give a fuck? Is there not some grass growing that you could go and watch that would actually be a better use of your time? And it's just, well, like, whenever someone is saying these things about you, because they will say it, if you're doing something that's outside the vicinity of what you've talked about, like, go to work, come home, get out up once a week. And if you're actually making any sort of wave or doing anything outside it, and even if you are, sometimes you're going to rub people up the wrong way. That's just it. People just love to tear other people down if they see something in the other person that they want. And that's what it is. And it's just whenever you see that or hear those whispers, whether it's about you or about someone else that's doing something, I think then there's that train of thought automatically activates like, oh God, if I do something like this, then I'm going to get talked about like that. And even if that person, as you say, you might only see them in the pub at Christmas when you're out drinking, when you're home for Christmas, that might be the only time in 12 months that you see this person and you still have that playing in your head like, oh God, but what if they think that about me? And then I think as well, this is something I learned when I was working with a food freedom coach because I was working on why I had so many cravings. And I was like, what if they think that about me? And she was just like, well, what if they think it? And I was like, yeah, but what if they do? She was like, yeah, I know, but I want you to sit with the emotion of them thinking that about you and let that feeling come up. And I do that with any emotion. If there's an emotion you're running from, if it's like a fear of failure or a fear of judgment, let that feeling just sit with it for like a couple of minutes. Don't speak, don't scroll, scroll on your phone. Just let the feeling fill your body up. And you'll actually realize that it doesn't feel as bad as you think it's gonna. And you realize it's completely unimportant. And then it's like, oh, that that actually doesn't feel as bad as I thought it was going for. And then you kind of decode the fear from it. So you're able to debunk that a bit and release yourself from it. You, You can, you can do everything that you think people want and you can spend your days doing stuff that you think will be minimized and like make everybody like you 
in your mm-hmm. mind and someone's still going to think you're a wanker and you're going to be doing something wrong oh, God. anyway and not only that you're going to have now you're going to be someone who is thought of as a wanker but is also trying to accommodate everybody so like your internal monologue is like why am i why am i being a wanker and doing all this stuff <laughs> for like why am i doing all this stuff i don't want to do to satisfy people who were probably going to like who may or may not change their opinion based off what i'm actually doing like i could be a perfectly conformist to what they think i should be doing but they still yeah. might just have something in their head they're like i just don't really like it and to be honest that's Aww. fine like if they don't and like every you can't be everybody's cup of tea and it's like what things that everybody love there's very few of them and the things that people that do everybody does like and agree on and doesn't have any strong feelings about is normally really boring shit so it's fine it's fine to be like one thing i've been more i've been more sort of intentional about over like the last sort of seven or eight years is just like i want a really like a core group of people that i really like and get on with and that mm-hmm. I get on with really, really well. And I want to be my most genuine self with those people. And I'd say mm-hmm. that, like, fuck it. Like, and it's kind of extended because, and it's hard to do it in social media. If anyone that is doing something that requires them to be on social media, if they're present mm-hmm. on social media and they have a presence, it's hard to be that person because it's almost like you take that small time mentality and you multiply the fear of, of uh, like disapproval by 10 or by 100 because not only have you got like susan down the road following you but you've got kyarn that you went to university with for two modules uh, and you've got somebody else's auntie on who's a bit of an agent and you've got this person on you've got that person on you're like what are they going to think about that and like i actually had a, an, an interaction during a football match with a fella uh, and i actually knew him went to university at the same time as him and he was like i like like literally before the match took his hand and like I was like, you looked really intense. I was like, what the fuck? What? Right, okay. It was a grand, it was an important match, but I was like, I'm not really that sort of like very serious person. So I was just trying to brush it off. And something happened during the match and there's a bit of pushing and shoving. And he was like, you're fucking embarrassing. All your fucking Facebook videos are ridiculous. And I was just like, <laughs> I, I just bust out laughing in the middle, like in the middle of a really intense football match. And I was, I was like really taken aback, but it wasn't, I was like, it's really funny. I was like, if this was like seven, six, seven years ago, I would have been like, that would have rang through my head for months and I would have been so like, yeah. I would have put a bit of fear in me. I just remember after being like, what? That was so funny. But I like, he was like, what? You're, they're fucking ridiculous. They're always on Facebook and all. And I just went, here, you're the one fucking watching them. Just turn it off. I don't know if that was just, and if he had that feelings or if it was a wee bit of, uh, if it was a wee bit of sort of psychological beating or whatever, but I just remember being absolutely like in stitches in the middle of like a serious match being like, that's so funny. That's mad. I was oh, like, like, that's, that's, I was like, I didn't realize. And like, I was thinking of all of the people that if I ever had a fear of upsetting or if someone not liking me, he never even factored into like the outside five hundred people that I would have considered in that uh, in that equation. So it's it is. Mm-hmm. I just remember thinking and being like, do you know what? That's funny that like I've annoyed him, and I didn't even realize I forgot that he was a person, and I've annoyed yeah. him. And I was like, that's interesting. It's like you mm-hmm. can't please everybody. Like you will not be able to please everybody, and any effort to try will only sort of restrict the things that you feel like you actually want to do. Totally. And I think it's really important to flip your mindset. Like, so say for instance, like there's somebody who was like juggling you on the pitch and all their stuff and then has to say something about something that's completely unrelated to the game in order to put you down. And you're thinking, God, like they're in my head, they're in my head. Actually, 
you're in their head because you've done something off the field that threatened them so much they had to bring it up on the pitch to put you down and I think what people have to remember like especially in the social media age and whenever there's websites floating about that rhyme with schmapple fife do you know what I mean it's like you never punch up yeah and whenever you sit and think about what's happening in someone's orbit or someone's life that they feel like they have to tear you down or leave hate comments under videos or like talk about you behind your back they're probably sitting staring at their phone trying to fill themselves up while the partner they regret marrying pays no attention to them they have to plot something and that's just an example but you know what i mean it's like they act you activate something in them an insecurity in them whether it's like one thing i always got called was a snobby bitch and stuck up and like, I mean, you have had plenty of conversations. I think it's quite clear that I'm neither snobby nor stuck. No, I can, I can vouch for that. Yeah. I can vouch <laughs> you for know that. what I mean? Um, but fair enough. If that's what someone thinks about me, I know my intentions. I know my heart. I know what I'm like with people. I know how I make people feel, at least by intention. Obviously, you're going to step on someone's toes by accident somewhere on the line. But I think what everyone has to remember is that if someone's trying to tear you down, it's probably because you're above them. Yeah, they're that's- grasping at your ankles. That's that's a really interesting point, and I've heard that expression before. It's like people don't tend to punch down, and it's like mm-hmm. it's worth pausing on that and and sort of saying like when you when people are given hate in whatever way, when people are given off, it's very like think of the people that you admire, think of the people that you aspire to be towards that are sort of like what you would determine as sort of ahead of you on their journeys that are doing things oh. that you would like to do, or they're people that you really really respect, and look at it and be and I always sort of look and say right. Could I imagine that person like doing this behavior? And you're like, no. And you're like, right, well, that person is like this person and like the person that I would love to be or the person that has traits that I really, really admire would it would never punch down. And I see them like I hold them mm-hmm. in regard, like higher than myself, whether or not you're supposed to do that. But like it would never cross my mind that they would do that to anybody. And it would never cross my yeah. mind. But I could easily see how other people that look at them might do that upwards to them because they want to try and pull them pull them down to in some way shape or form to their level i think it's a, such such a good point like you totally. don't like shit doesn't roll fucking uphill uh <laughs> sort of that. is that is that a, a way of saying that it's the crab in the bucket mentality some people call it tall poppy syndrome or whatever but like if you think of like if you put a heap of crabs in a bucket if one of them tries to climb out to freedom the others will reach up and pull it down because that's just the way they're programmed so if someone is reaching up to pull you down, just give them a good boot in the face and be like, "Anyway." <laughs> yeah, and that, like that, that's it. And when you, I think, like for me, travel has been one of those things that's helped. Now I haven't probably traveled as much as I want, and I'm obviously making the effort to like moving away. But when you get out of your comfort zone, and like most of my like best friends have like moved away, and some of them are home now, but they've moved away maybe like Canada or America or Australia or New Zealand or like Middle East, whatever it is, they've moved away somewhere and they've came back and it's like you see it all the time and it's that sort of cliche of, oh, I found myself when I'm traveling and they're like, no, they didn't. Like like pe- people laugh at that and they're like, oh, I went, to, I went to Thailand and found myself and they're like, no, you <laughs> went away with a group of people that had no pre-existing idea of who you were and you felt comfortable enough to be yourself. And then yeah. you came home with the confidence in being yourself and now you're doing that. And people are like, oh, he fucking found himself and he's saying all this stuff. And it's like, no, he's just like, they're just trying to feel like, and they're figuring out 
who they're actually be comfortable being. Uh, and mm. when you're exposed, when you're traveling, you meet different people, it kind of exposes that. And you're, and you're like, right, I can genuinely, like, nobody here knows me. I have no nothing to lose by literally just being the person that I actually want to be, like just by interacting with people, how I want to interact with people and making that decision consciously and then mm-hmm. watching what happens. And you'll naturally see that you like, like before you've developed any relationships with anybody, you'll see some people sort of naturally gravitate away from you. Some people naturally sort of pull in towards you and you're like, right, okay, this, this is interesting by being the person that I actually like being, I tend to draw people who actually like, being around that person so now my yeah. relationships are better because i'm surrounded by people who are comfortable with who i am just naturally being myself exactly 100 percent. like that just brings me back this is a, like a concrete example of like a real life version of that is um a couple of years ago i was going out with a boy and we had a holiday break we broke up two weeks before the holiday so i switched the names of the flight and took my friend and I had like one sad day. We were in a water park and she was just, I was just like, I'm sad today. I miss him. And she was like, yeah, it must be really shit to be on holiday with someone who doesn't insult you every five minutes. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, thank you for bringing me back. And then whenever you realize that sometimes you think you miss that, but you don't. It's just like whenever you carry something heavy and put it down your arms, feel weird for a while. It's like that. But yeah, as you say, whenever you actually just, are yourself instead of trying to adapt yourself to whoever you think will please the people you're around you actually end up attracting people who actually like you for you and your life just becomes like a big taking a big breath out which is lovely. yeah that's that, that is it and i think that's like that's probably about an hour an hour and 15 minutes which is crazy it doesn't <laughs> doesn't feel like it at all uh so we'll, we'll we'll call it there we'll maybe we'll maybe do a part two at some stage over the next few weeks uh, or months because there's definitely more to talk about within that but Nicole, thank you very much for coming on the Guys and Better Every Day podcast. Uh, where can the people find out more about you and about your services? No worries. Thanks for having me. As uh, you'll see, I cannot tell a short story, so apologies for that. Um, but yeah, you can find me at Diet Starts on Monday, basically everywhere, TikTok, Instagram. My website is www.dietstartsmondaycoaching.com and all the information's there. Find me on Instagram, send me a DM. And also I am running an introdu- introductory offer at the minute where it's £99 per month for the first three months. So if you sign up ASAP, you'll get to avail that. And yeah, basically just that's it. <laughs> there we go. Guys, thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, until next week, see you later.